Expectations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And I have titled this episode, Dangerous Escalations, COVID Comeback, and Elite Orchestration. That's right. We talk about the ensuing civil unrest that we see developing around the entire nation as well as the appropriate response that happened here in my own backyard. I try to keep my personal biases of it <laughs> as much as I can, as well as us getting back into the resurgence of COVID-19. That's right, they're talking about the COVID-19 second wave. And, well, Melinda Gates thinks that black people should be the first ones vaccinated for COVID-19 right after healthcare workers. We get into that as well as Hillary Clinton having to testify in court on September 9th. Yeah, that's right, fact checkers, we're on to you. We get into this and more in this edition. Uh, but first, a few quick updates. If you guys didn't listen to the previous episode we did with Craig Fitzgerald, where we went into the history of communism, I would definitely recommend you do so. It plays a huge part in what we talk about in this segment. Also, uh, the minicast we did, Guarding Against Extremism, it is available I'll put the link for that in the description bar below if you guys would like to check it out. Also, uh, New Leaf Naturals actually came out with a new CBD formula. So whenever we get the samples, we'll let you guys know. Uh, last thing, and we'll start the show. I'm taking a break. Come the start of July, I'm out of here. I'm taking a break. I'm getting recalibrated. We're taking our mid-season break because it's necessary. Uh, and if you guys want to support us, think about becoming a Patreon exclusive member at patreon.com forward slash freedom faction. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 1022, season 10, episode 22. You know, I wanted to start this episode off being a little bit different uh, because of how crazy my week has been. Earlier this week, or better yet, the start of last week, or this weekend, while working in the yard and hanging out there all day towards the end of you know the day about 6 or 7 o'clock or so we got approached by not our neighbors but our neighbors grandchildren a couple and right around that time frame it had started to rain or drizzle a little bit we were going to sit out on the porch and just hang out and, you know admire the work we get approached by this couple and they have an adorable little dog <coughs> And you guys know how much of a sucker I am for adorable critters, especially my lady. And so, you know, we say, well, how about you guys try to figure out where that puppy is first, and then we'll take her off your hands. So they do another lap or so, they don't find the person, and it starts raining a little bit heavier. And so then we say, okay, give us the puppy. You guys get up out of the, the rain. We'll, we'll, we'll find the house. We hold on to the puppy for a night, and then literally within 24 hours, right around 9 o'clock or so, 
on that Sunday is whenever we found the owner. Monday goes through. Tuesday comes around. I get done with you guys. And we get a knock at the door. And it's the neighbor, the lady who we have returned the puppy to. And so she, uh, long story short, is unable to hold a puppy. And now we have a rescue returned puppy or returned rescue puppy. It's very silly because normally we end up taking puppies that we just kind of stroll along, stroll into our lives. So it was very silly for us to give this one back, but to have it given back to us. That was my morning, taking this, this new puppy that we have now out for a hike. But instead of doing my normal six and seven miles, running into the mountains like I typically like to do, you know, I took this little puppy for a river walk. Saw her play in the river, saw her mind blown. By which way, the, which way does the water go? Where does it all go? What does it all mean? Seeing her frolic, being adorable. Hanging out with the girlfriend, you know, we're having a great old time, me and the lady. We're out there with the pups. It's marvelous. You know, and then I've still got a little bit of, of, of adrenaline in me, and I wanted to get this done beforehand. But what I ended up doing instead, after dropping off the pups and saying bye-bye to the lady, is I ended up going to the range, going shooting. And in going shooting, I found it very therapeutic, very, very calm. Obviously, my adrenaline was rushing. You know, the focus, the discipline, the, the target practice, you know, the drills, all that stuff. But I should not find these types of things interesting. I shouldn't find the conversation of coming up over here discussing that, uh, that spectrum of being cute one second and then being somewhat violent and disciplined. I feel like that shouldn't be normal. But then again, who am I to say what is normal? You guys kind of heard me talk about this earlier this week about how, we might, how we're becoming like a wartime podcast page type deal, how our psychology is drastically changing due to the things that we're being conflicted with or confronted by. This is what I mean. Getting back to the story, uh, after getting done shooting or enjoying the shooting, setting up various targets, you know, crouching, going prone, all this different stuff. It just makes me think, good Lord, what is happening to this world? This, this, the, the, the current trajectory that we are on cannot be where we're trying to land. How did a virus get us to think such, in such a capacity, you see? What I'm trying to say, and you've, you've heard me talk about it throughout the entirety of the past two weeks, or basically since, uh, since this month started, since June started, is the fact that we have been inab unable to heal. Our perspectives have been changed. We've been traumatized. I wanted to start this episode off being a little bit different by telling you guys what is happening to me. Because we ended off our Instagram Live this week talking about you know, my, my credibility. <clears throat> and I have to ask the question of what has happened to me? Why, why are these things normal? Why would we think that these things are normal? And we'll get into the topics, into the news and everything else as well. But I wanted to really break down that none of what you see happening is normal because it's all designed to create this whole new normal, as they say. 
And when you see us restraining and resisting, it's because of the extremes that they're taking us. That's why we tie the Instagram we live Instagram live. the the minicast we titled it uh, "Guarding Against Extremism" because that's what this all is. In a world, and, and I had this revelation on air. You guys saw me have this. We are becoming consumers and controllers and manipulators, not producers and creators. You see, our mindsets have changed, but. Let me get back into this. What's happening to me? What's happening to all of us? Yes, we are all drastically changing. I think everybody understands that throughout this coronavirus, yes, we've been traumatized, but another part of us has been made available or been brought forth. I don't want to say summoned forth, but I hope you guys get what I'm saying. Some people have become much more passive. Some have become much more distracted. Some have become obviously much more uh, inculcated and indoctrinated into everything else that's going on. But what I'm trying to say is I feel like somebody under, or everybody understands that something happened during this coronavirus. It all revealed ourselves to, to ourselves in one shape or form. This is why you hear me talking about lawlessness versus order. What is happening? We can't keep having all this craziness to a degree. It's okay to, 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 to have these theories and to have these thoughts, but to begin to see these things manifest in such a crazy way, that's what's dangerous. I'll say this and I'll begin to transfer into the topics that we're talking about. I'm all for freedom, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and I think you guys all understand that. But there's one thing I always miss out. And I think it's because I don't have that harsh sense. That's not the button I press. Justice. We don't really talk about a lot of justice over here on the show because, well, who am I to judge somebody who has sinned differently? That's not, I'm not here to deliver justice to people like that. But what I am here to do is reveal these crimes, reveal this corruption, talk about this evil and explain why there needs to be change. Heck yeah, I'm all for freedom, liberty, life, the pursuit of happiness and more. But we always forget that there's justice. There has to be some kind of backbone to this. And I think that whenever we're seeing all these things that we're, we, we, we know deep down kind of what has to happen, but we don't want to do that because, again, we don't want to be the button pusher. We always talk about going along to get along, living in the truth and more. But what happens whenever we see a world embrace this level of lawlessness? Again, I talked about this this week uh, talked about this this week with you guys that our minds are becoming so configured to accept the lawlessness that we have no comprehension of order. We borderline reject and shun it. Very, very crazy. Seems like Gotham out there. And all I'm wanting to do is just draw, paint, write, make video games, be a nerd. But because of where they're taking us, they don't want this pro-human renaissance-based future. They want slaves, obedient order takers, drones, shucks, robots. They don't even want a pro-human future. They want an anti-human and an anti-God, a pro-Earth future. We have a lot of different things to talk about in this episode. And with that being said, let's start the show. So, I don't necessarily mean to have these long-winded intros, but I think people need to understand uh, the days that we are in. If you guys didn't listen to the previous episode we did with Craig Fitzgerald talking about 
<laughs> communism, Marxism, socialism. And what I find very, very interesting that I think we'll get into in this episode, if not for future transmissions, corporatism, the technocracy, the corporatocracy, you see, why we have corporations having much more power than government. Uh, but here, let's go ahead and get this stuff started. I want to talk about briefly, or at least play for you guys briefly, this clip that comes out of Antifa, or at least Project Veritas. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it uh, because of all the chaos that's going on. And I thought, with all the chaos going on, I think it's only appropriate that we kind of get our ducks in a row. And I thought it was only appropriate that since we just had Craig on talking about, again, the origins of communism, we should talk about where this money's coming from. Who's funding this destabilization? Why is this type of chaos being allowed to be carried out? Uh, and so I'm going to pull up for you guys real quick the video from uh, Project Veritas, and I'll put the link for this in its entirety in the description bar below if you want to check it out, of the secret funding of Antifa. I know many people are already familiar with things such as people like George Soros, the Open Society Foundation, and more, but to have it on record, refuse fascism, uh, these types of organizations, and Indivisible, Black Lives Matter, and more, but to have it on record as an archive to see who's funding this type of destabilization, that's important. Uh, so let's go ahead and get that clip up for you guys. This is uh, Project Veritas revealing the funding of Antifa. He did apply for a grant from Soros at one point, a long time ago. He actually did get a, a, a grant from them. There is he donated me for thousands of dollars and then millions to come to the streets. We've been talking to his assistant, we're meeting with his main his main advisor on the future and his political ambitions that he may actually want to not be directly connected. In Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, you attend, and this is, this at a certain point dominates the national news. It's very disruptive, of course. Last week, we released video of New York Antifa-like group Refuse Fa, short for Refuse Fascism, training people how to poke people's eyes out and reframing assault as self-defense. We just want to, in the space, reframe the idea of self-defense as not simply you're being acted upon by an aggressor, but it's a kind of a decision you make uh, to fight back. Uh, in a lot of ways to say, um, I'm human and I will keep this, I occupy this space and I'll be not, not Now today, we unmask undercover footage of the national organizer, the national organizer for refused fascism, and we release footage that suggests who might even be funding the militant operation. The ultimate vision is to, for people to bring their comfort and come into the streets day after day, night after night, in the hundreds of thousands, until the millions, and not leave until they have to step out. These things that we see that this is not going to happen for normal change. We are not, we are living in abnormal times. And the way we see this is that there is going to be a need for thousands of people Soros at one point, a long time ago, when I was doing more um, uh, abortion rights and defending clinics, we 
actually did get a, a, a grant from them. Um, we started a thing called the National Day of Appreciation for Abortion Providers. Contributing money is in Look, we are not going to reach millions without millions. That's just a, that's just straight up. We are not going to do it. We need millions of dollars to reach millions of people. You know, if you can get a meeting with um, either one of those, um, sorry to So I don't, I don't know uh, if you guys were able to catch that, but she said that we did receive funding from George now, I'll put the clip for that, or I'll put the link for that in the description bar below if you guys want to check it out. But that's very, very interesting, a lot of the different stuff that she's saying. Uh, the fact that they want to build up this momentum to have day after day protests. Day after day protests. Think about that. Where are we already seeing this type of behavior? You see. Day after day protests, millions of people getting out there, creating this massive amount of need. Momentum. Very, very interesting and very, very telling because, again, you've got to understand the times that we're in. And she said it right there. T. Stern, one of the organizers for Antifa, talking about the funding they get from George Soros and how she's helped with uh, abortion clinics and abortion rights and more. You have to understand they want to be able to build up this momentum as if it's who they truly are. These people really don't care <laughs> about your rights. They want to be able to have that influential power over you, that manipulation, you see, that virtue signaling. But it's much more than that. Why are we talking about Antifa's funding? We already know who funds them and what their whole purpose is. But why is this going down? Because it is a planned collapse. You see, an orchestrated chaos. Civil unrest. This is, this is not the revolution that we're looking for. This is a bought and paid for revolution. 34% of, of American voters think that a new civil war is likely. And could they be wrong? Could they be right? I'm not sure. Uh, let's continue on. I think, very, I think everybody's kind of very curious as to the status of things like Chaz or now considered CHOP. Uh, this article comes from Now the End Begins. It's by Jeffrey Grider. They put this up June 15th. It says, Seattle Antifa rioters changed the name of the occupied area from Chaz to Chop after what happened to people during the French Rebellion. Let's take a listen. It's Chop. 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 Has anybody here ever heard of the French Revolution before? That is another revolution because people started putting property over lives. They started putting money over people. Does anybody here know what happened to the people who did not get on board with the French Revolution? Was very large. Very large. That is the message we need to send. We are serious. This is not a joke. I am tired of seeing my people be genocided. By every definition of the word. Amen. And I am totally for that. I am definitely for reform and bringing awareness to these issues. Let me get into this. It says that those who refuse to embrace or embrace their movement could face a violent end. A group of Antifa protesters in Seattle have declared the unsettling message or the warning comes after their encampment in the city was renamed to Trump. As the Antifa forces begin to settle their or settle into their autonomous zone and get more comfortable with their anarchy, they have made a change or two to their branding. Originally calling themselves CHOP, or I mean CHAZ, 
the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, they now call it CHOP, the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest. One man with a bullhorn told the crowd that CHOP was also a nod to the French Revolution, as you guys heard right there. Let me, let me do a little quick news blitz as to what's going on with CHOP or Chaz or just what's going on there. Because you got people like Raz Simone, who's got all kinds of strange things going on. He's got condos, Teslas, guns, all kinds of crazy stuff, man. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's kind of crazy just, again, looking at what's going on there. But let me just give you a quick news blitz of articles right now. Uh, residents in CHAP slash CHOP say that these people are evil at night. They are horrible. This comes from Grabian News. Uh, the Daily Caller says that the Seattle PD claims that Chaz is in a cop-free zone, but reporters on the ground heard a different story. Yeah, there's clips going around of uh, individuals working with the cops. And what's crazy, too, is there's already like pushback because there's people working with the cops trying to enforce laws there. But because they want it to be a cop-free zone, the very fact that you have to have cops allowing that type of stuff to go down upsets them. And so they're fighting inside. They're eating their own. There's crazy clips and stuff coming outside of CHOP, but because they want to create this narrative like it's hunky-dory and everything's okay, <laughs> it's, it's, it's manipulation. And I'm sure we'll read some comments, or you could go to the page and see some different types of comments of people who are there in Seattle, right, who are seeing, as if it, seeing it as if it's an everyday thing. But to the rest of us, we're outside looking in thinking that, gosh, this is kind of strange. This is a little bit unsettling. you got to think about the people that are actually working there. The people that have businesses, yeah, they may be on board, but can they really express their dissent? Yeah, they have to cater to the mob. They have to feed people. They have to water them. They have to clothe them. They have to give them charging stations, for sure. They can't really express their displeasement because if they do, well, they'll come in there. They'll burn down the place or they'll fight, they'll, they'll fight with the owner. You see? Truth in action. Uh, Chaz Warlord, supported by Dubai, Dubai government, owns luxury cars and millions in properties. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is crazy uh, what's going on in there. But let me get back into this article. It says George Soros may be financing all of this, but that is not the same as saying that he is controlling it. After the funds are laundered through his NGO system and dispersed to Antifa soldiers, the fascist rioters called into duty. He was actually he was actually has very little control as to where things go next. Over a dozen people have, di have died nationwide during these riots uh, at the hands of Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and there's no telling how many dozens more will be murdered under the banner of freedom. I think we are kittens whisk whiskers away from things blowing up very badly. And I want to point this out. While we're talking about Chaz and Chop and all this other stuff, I've been saying this every time I've addressed this situation publicly, privately, and more. This may look like Woodstock with guns. This may look like e e like a rave festival with guns or a political thing with guns, you know, some, some, some situation. You've got to understand that this is 2020 and that this is a dry run event. This is a recruiting event. They're pulling in the borders for sure. They're, 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 they're tightening in the autonomous zone. But as they're tightening in the, the, their reach, they're also filtering people out, kicking people out, having borders. Uh, not offering the free pizza, you see. Having police, having patrols, having border checks, having interrogations. They're doing a whole, a whole separate thing. I wanted to get the list together by PJ Media. 
but they came up with an entire comprehensive list of all the things that Chaz for slash chop has done that they said that they would never do. So what you've got to understand is that they know this isn't going to last, right? They know this isn't something that's supposed to be self-sustaining, but it's a dry run. It's got to be the first of its kind, a theory you see. But here's my question to you guys. Why can things like this go on? And we hear no, again, no, no, no feedback from the media. Nobody really reports on it. They act like it's okay. Is this even a protest to the lockdowns? I mean, maybe that's like why it's not getting the attention that it should be. I'm not sure. But my thing is because of the media, they're portraying it as if it's lawlessness. And because you have this type of, again, extremism being promoted, the fans being flamed by mommy media, some of these things are going to get even more and more radical. Was Chaz and Chop even started because of George Floyd? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that why all this happened in the first place? And I said that this week. They locked us down for months at a time, traumatized us. And then what did they do? They showed us funerals. They made sure you saw George Floyd get choked and die. They made sure you felt some type of way. They made sure that you were polarized. And then they eased up a little bit. And what happened? We got volatile, just like they expected. But hold on, we'll get into that more into the coronavirus segment. Uh, Why is it that Seattle, Antifa, can have this type of uh, chaos go down, but regular day patriots aren't allowed to stand up for themselves? And what I mean by that is earlier this week, here in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, we had police detained and armed militia after a man is shot at an Albuquerque demonstra- uh, demonstration. Now, I'm not going to go into this in its entirety because we have to finish seeing how this plays out. I want to go ahead and say, though, that the district attorney has already dropped their case and that the governor is on watch. So is the, so is the mayor and the chief of police because they try to, be, they, they, they try to defame these people. And whenever the internet goes out and goes and looks at these videos, sees what happens, the Hispanic victim was attacked by Antifa members. So again, let's, let's, let's talk about that before we go into this article. How is it that Antifa across the entire nation, specifically in Seattle, can carry out these type of acts, but a group of armed men meant to, being a ter- meant to be a deterrent to these protests that people don't want, right, end up becoming part of the problem? And I know the arguments, oh, well, why are we bringing guns to protests? I don't think we should be bringing guns to protests. But at the same time, we shouldn't be having these protests that are designed to destabilize things. You see. So I'll get into this, but, but only so much. Uh, let's, let's, let's read this. It comes from the Judge Report feed. They put this up June 16th. It says, Albuquerque police detained members of the New Mexico Civil Guard, an armed civilian group, following the shooting of a man during a protest over a statue a Spanish conqueror, Juan de Oñate, on Monday, June 15th. Protesters in Albuquerque wrapped a chain around the neck of a bronze statue and began tugging, chanting, quote, tear it down, shortly before sunset on Monday. Their efforts to pull down a monument of Spanish conquistador Juan de Oñate suddenly stopped as four shots rang out. Most people instinctively turned to the noise, or toward the noise, videos from the scene show. A few screamed just yards away. A group of militiamen supporting military-like garb and carrying semi-automatic rifles formed a protective circle around the gunmen. The gunshots, which left one man in a critical but stable condition, 
have set off a cascade of public outcry denouncing the unregulated militia's presence in the shooting. Although the police have yet to announce an arrest or describe exactly what happened, the victim is also unidentifiable. Or unidentified. Quote, the heavily armed individuals who flaunted themselves at the protest calling themselves a civil guard were there for one reason, to menace protesters, to present an unsanctioned show of unregulated force. New Mexico Democratic Governor Michelle Luann Grisham said in a statement, quote, to menace the people of New Mexico with weaponry, with an implicit threat of violence, is on its face unacceptable. That violence did indeed occur is unspeakable. Albuquerque Democratic Mayor Tim Keller said that the statue would now be speedily removed as an urgent matter of public safety until authorities determine the next step. Quote, the shooting tonight was a tragic, outrageous, and unacceptable act of violence, and it has no place in our city, Keller said in a statement. Quote, our diverse community will not be deterred by acts to divide or silence us. Our hearts go out to the victim, his family, and the witness whose lives were needlessly threatened <laughs> tonight. And so I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because we're not a bunch of cowards or pussies out here in New Mexico, that's for sure. You, leave, you come on vacation and you leave on probation. I would really recommend that you guys go and watch the video because I can't let too much of my own personal bias and stuff get involved in this. But what you've got to understand is the victimology stems this far down. The Civil Guard was put there to be that deterring force. When we're talking about this lawlessness go on, the very fact that you have people who don't want to engage in the lawlessness, they can't just sit by in these protests silently. What are they to do? And this is something you guys have seen us gradually get to discussing over here on this channel because, well, we can't just keep talking about this. Some type of action has to take place. Some narrative has to be created. This is the same reason that we talked about Operation Gridlock in Michigan. And look at Governor Whitmer. You have to understand how this works. People have to understand that they have rights and that this cannot keep going on. But the very fact that this continues is because good men do nothing. Is because we don't stand up. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. Yes, there's going to be controversy. But is, it's not about you, is it? It's not about any one of us. And now, because of this fiasco here, after the mayor decided to pander to the mob, take down the statue, they decided to send social workers instead of armed police to some 911 calls. As if they already didn't have this queued up and ready to go. So think about this. The protests for George Floyd, the justice for George Floyd protests that spawned Chaz and now the tearing down of statues, has us sending social workers to 911 calls. This will create the people for contact tracing and more, red flag, gun laws, and more. Mark my words, you are seeing the very, you're seeing that structure be created. I just feel like it's very, it's, it's crazy because it's in my backyard. I won't lie. I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Part of me wanted to, part of me wanted to get some inside information because uh, Johns Hopkins University just had like an emergency mental health course that was available for six hours for free where you could take it and get certified and I just thought it was crazy because this got released at the same time. Uh, but let me read this, and then we'll continue on. This comes from Tom Ozimek. Uh They put this up June 16th. It comes from the Epoch Times. It says, the mayor of Albuquerque has announced that the creation of a new department of the first responders that will send unarmed social workers rather than police to respond to some 911 calls. 
calling it a, quote, first-of-its-kind civilian response team, or civilian response department. Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller said in in a press release Monday that the new entity would, quote, restructure thousands of calls on homelessness, addiction, and mental health into the hands of trained professionals, while keeping police officers focused on core law enforcement work and, quote, reform efforts. The move comes amid calls to review and revise law enforcement practices following the death of George Floyd, who died while in custody of Minneapolis police, sparking protests that rocked America and spread across the world. Called Albuquerque Community Safety ACS, the new cabinet-level department will include social workers, diversion program experts, and specialists in the areas of homelessness and prevention of violence. Keller said the decision comes after the years of public pressure to deliver an alternative to deploying armed law enforcement agents and instead provide a, quote, better solution for de-escalation and more officers for community policing. Quote, it's time we stop asking officers to do everything and we time and time we get people the help they need instead of sending armed officers to knock on their door, Keller added. It's very true. Uh, you would be and I'm sure this happens in every city. Unfortunately, uh, and I just heard about this just the other day up over here on tramway that some guy was pointing out his gun outside of his his house. The cops came to come check up on him and he posted a video on Instagram of him, you know, walking down the steps, pointing his gun out the window and firing off a couple shots, you know, and what's going to happen after that? But are they going to shoot these 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 (laughs) these 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 social workers as well? It's just very, very crazy. It says that it says the mayor said that the new department will focus millions of dollars throughout the budget or through the budget process into a public health model with a civilian-based response, which would benefit officers not by burdening them with tasks that are unrelated to the core job of policing. "Quote: We want to send the right resources to the right call, especially where a social worker or a trained professional can connect people with the services they need, instead of simply taking folks to jail or the hospital." which have been only choices up until now. I want to just briefly skip over all the details of this and just read some of the comments that people are saying. VN Cass says, what happens when the situation escalates? When a, cir- when a social worker is baited into a situation and hurt? It's happened to realtors, and I think that it will happen to social workers as well. Death by Redacted 2.0 says that people are going to learn to love their Second Amendment rights, especially those who crusade against them. Ish 805 says that defund the police and this is what you get. Ivan G209 says rest in peace social workers. Jay DeLucci says that this is a start, but why do they need a firearm to enforce a broken tailgate or a taillight or a simple speeding? They need to disarm or defund the police, especially local traffic. (laughs) And here's where I think where it needs to be said. Uh, I am, Julian says, is anyone else predicting a bigger federal and private police presence? And I feel like that's where this is all going, uh, if you want the truth. When you have, again, Antifa setting aside autonomous zones where they have their own laws, their own rules, their own this, that, and the third. They criminalize people for standing up for themselves here in their own, in, in their own backyard. And then they decide to disarm and then defund, basically defang and declaw the protecting arm of civilians. What kind of world is that going to create? You're going to have drones. You're going to have Boston Dynamics spot robots. 
You're going to have all of this different stuff out there, private security forces. Yeah, gated communities are going to take on a whole different feel. You see. Mark my words, this stuff is crazy. It may seem like it's good on the top, but you really have to understand how these people operate. They they like trying to trick us into the position that we are now. That's what I was trying to say with coronavirus. Something happened. That's why none of this is normal. Something happened to where things have changed. But here, this is, again, some of the trickery that I mean. Look at this. Minneapolis City Council President defends plan to dismantle the police. Quote, expecting help is privilege. Expecting help is privilege. Think about that. This comes from uh, from Signs of the Times. They put this up June 10th. It says, Monday on CNN's, quote, New Day, Minneapolis City Council President Lisa Bender defended her council's attempt to disband the Minneapolis Police Department following the death of George Floyd. Bender said, quote, I think in Minneapolis, watching George Floyd's death and the actions of the four police officers that were involved has been a huge wake-up call for so many in Minneapolis to see what has already what many already knew, which is that our police department is not keeping every member of, community, of our community safe. So I think it is a step one for us to tell the truth. Nine council members from communities all across the city are of all different backgrounds standing together to tell the truth and say that this system isn't working for too many of our neighbors and it hasn't been for too long. Our reform efforts have failed and we have done many, many attempts at reform and new leadership in the department and many things. And we still see this tragic death. And so I will. And so I think the wake up call of our community is what's driving the city's council announcement yesterday. And now the hard work begins for us to rebuild that system that really works to keep all of our communities safe. And then it goes on to virtue signal. I'm trying to find the part where it talks about privilege, but, but, but you get the point. Privilege. It's a privilege. It is a privilege to have help. So think about this. Community outreach programs, community wellness programs, community policing, Trump's reform, reformation of the police. Yes, to fund them because they're hyper-militarized, they're trigger-happy, you know, look at the divorce rates, the domestic violence rates, you know, the, the human trafficking rates because cops are involved in that, drug trafficking, it's a very real thing. Yes, to fund them, you know, up in Seattle, they have upwards of $300,000 a year being paid of being a cop. In Seattle, yeah, that's what's crazy. So yes, defund these people, they're overpaid, they're overworked, uh, they're overprivileged for sure. But calling on that type of response is not a privilege. Having it there as that guiding force, as that mediary force should be what its purpose is. Yes, it's been skewed. Yes, it's been corrupted. But that's why society is the way that it is, because it's a reflection of it. You see crooked cops, crooked zebras. It's a real thing. And so holding their feet to the fire, having police accountability, it's a very real thing. But taking it to these extremes to where they don't have guns and they can't work efficiently, that's the very dangerous part. I think what I'm trying to say is what you all understand. Antifa is getting a little bit more mobilized and a little bit more active in their defense. And yet they're trying to figure out a way to whittle down civilians' abilities to defend themselves. What do you think this is going to do? What do you think Facebook's uh, Facebook's police department will look like? Amazon's police department. McDonald's, 
uh, policing force, just their security force. You see, you've got to, again, think about the corporatocracy and the technocracy. All of these different things, guys, the, the, the sophistication that we are under, the sophistication that we are up against, you see. So as I'm talking to you about Antifa security forces, Amazon security forces, McDonald's security forces, destabilization, us having to think for ourselves and fight for ourselves, right? This article came out. Documents reveal that the U.S. military is planning for a Gen Z Bitcoin rebellion. Now, we did Zebellion, the minicast that we talked about, and it talks about them creating a black market trafficking system, their own financial system to essentially not necessarily rival the system, the B system that we're always talking about, to be separate of it and not be slaves to it. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And this very same week, I talked to you about how you need to remove yourself from this system of slavery and begin to create a system of empowerment. Could Bitcoin be that? Could, could that be the answer? Not Bitcoin, but that model. Let me, let me read a little bit of this, and then we'll continue on. I hope you guys get the point that I'm trying to make. This comes from Activist Post. They put this up June 16th. It says, before Bitcoin became the newest trend for Silicon Valley bros, it was a tool for hackers and revolutionaries who wanted to undermine the banking system. In fact, this was the original vision of the cryptocurrency's mysterious creator, Satoshi Nakamoto, and the creator of anarchist, anarchist hackers called cypherpunks, or, or cypherpunks, that developed the technology. It appears that this original vision was not missed by the United States government, which has been developing plans to contend with a potential cryptocurrency rebellion. Documents obtained by The Intercept through a Freedom of Information Act request show that the U.S. Department of Defense has created war game scenarios in which a rebellion of Gen Z revolutionaries use cryptocurrency to undermine and evade the establishment. And one of the war games, the Pentagon prepared for hordes of Gen Z hackers who used cyber attacks similar to the one that we experienced earlier this week with AT&T, Sprint, Verizon, and other places going down, using cyber attacks to steal money and convert it to Bitcoin. The revolutionary group in the war game was given the name Zebellion. This exercise happened two years ago, in 2018, but it was set in the future for the year of 2025. In this scenario, Gen Z was involved in protests all over the world and waged a, quote, global cyber campaign to expose injustice and corruption and to support causes it deems beneficial. It was noted that Gen Z sees themselves as, quote, agents for social change and believes that the, quote, system is rigged against them. In light of the protests that have developed around the world over the past months, activists are starting to revisit the original spirit of the technology and are seeing its potential as a tool for revolutionary movements. The details of the Pentagon war games were not made public until Florida Congressman Matt Gates suggested freezing the financial accounts of demonstrators who were spotted at the ongoing protests against police violence. Nathaniel Whitmore, or Whitemore, a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency consultant and strategist, previously told Forbes that, quote, one of the most important tools in the authoritarian toolkit is the ability to freeze the funding of a legitimate political dissent or dissident. By separating the infrastructure of money from the infrastructure of the state power, Bitcoin makes it, too, makes it that much harder for this type of politically motivated confiscation. Quote, in the wake of unprecedented central bank action around the COVID-19 crisis, it seemed like the, like the most relevant narrative of Bitcoin in 2020 was a hedge against inflation. 
It appears, however, that incapacity for censorship resistance might just be as relevant. What they're trying to say is they see that people are getting themselves together, that they can't rely on a system that is designed to enslave them. Like I said before, 34% of American voters think that a new civil war is likely. And can you blame them when they are told to fight for themselves, when they are told that the system is not there to take care of them? You can't hug these problems away. Can you blame them? A civil war could be on the horizon. I mean, again, and this happened this week. It didn't really get a lot of time or attention. But more people were arrested. More Boogaloo boys were arrested. And they actually were in the military. But back to the very thought of the system failing you and people wanting to stand for themselves right here. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot orders residents to not use guns to defend themselves during the violent riots. Yeah, don't use guns. Don't defend yourself. What? Don't stand up for yourself. Just die. Why Why would you want to defend yourself? And then during this whole time frame as well, she also said that to an alderman, to a police officer, saying that you're 100% full of crap. F you. Chicago alderman and mayor rage over the looting on leaked audio. We can't expect our police, and I don't fault them at all, to be able to control this. But I know that we as our faith-based not comfortable telling my churches, those people, to be the intermediary in the middle of a riot and say right. We need something better because right now we only have 370 whatever National Guard on standby. Half our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. We have to come up with a better plan because once my fear is once we're there doing looting and rioting and whatever's going to happen tonight, God help us. What happens when they start going after residents, going into the neighborhoods? Once they start trying to break down people's doors when they think they got something, or, or you know, we know that people are here to antagonize and incite, and you've got them all pumped tonight. Today, they're not going to go to bed at eight o'clock. They're going to turn there and focus in the neighborhood. I've got gangbangers with AK-47s walking around right now, just waiting to settle some scores. What are we going to do and what do we tell our residents other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough. Thank you, Alderman. Next question. No, I want an answer. I, I, you commented on everybody. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. This is a question that I have. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. If you think we want to fuck you then, who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? If you think we were not ready and we stood by and let the neighborhood go up, there's nothing intelligent that I can say to you. Maybe you should come out of and see what's going on. the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I understand you want to preach. I understand that you think that you Mayor, you need to check your fucking attitude. That's what you need to do. Right now, 
President Trump signs executive order on police reform. June 16th, Zero Hedge by Tyler Durden. In keeping with the Republican plan for tackling police reform, which involves a legislative component being handled by the Senate, President Trump signed an executive order limiting the use of chokeholds by police across the country and required the creation of a federal database of police misconduct, among other measures. The executive order is part of an, is part of what could become a spate of several orders as negotiations continue and lawmakers in both parties try to hammer out a compromise plan as Republicans best bet that shifting public opinion on police misconduct could create a space for compromise. According to Axios, the executive order is intended to, quote, send a message to Congress that the president is willing to work with them, and he has encouraged lawmakers to pass a a, a, a compromise plan. Trump says he has spoken privately with the families of the victims of police violence, including Aubrey, Watham Jean, Antoine Rose II, Jamel Robertson, uh, Tatiana Jefferson, Michael Dean, Darius Tarver, Cameron Lamb, and Everett Palmer Jr., uh, though notably Floyd's family was not present. Quote, we have to find common ground, but I strongly oppose the radical and dangerous efforts to defend, dismantle, and or defund, dismantle, and dissolve our police departments, especially now when we achieve the, low, the lowest record of crime rates in the history, or in recent history, Trump said. So as you have Chicago aldermen unable or unable to get the things that they need, the resources they need, or at least the green light they need, you have Trump essentially defunding them and putting them in handcuffs as well. This is what I mean by the lawlessness. This is what's going on. This is what I mean by dangerous escalations. You see, again, the autonomous zone being created over there on the left-hand side. You see the right essentially being crippled and guilt-tripped into not defending for ourselves. And you see the arbiters of truth being put into a position of stasis being being declawed, defunded. Is this that is is this what's going on? Is the power being returned back to the people? I'm not sure. I consider this dangerous escalations, and that's why we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be getting into COVID nineteen. That's right. You already hear them talking about the second wave and all of that nonsense. We're going to be getting into this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back, right after this. Please wipe down. We have our evacuation of all counties. I report complete devastation. forces in this world that remind us of how fragile we are. We thought we were safe. We thought it could never happen to us. Then life like a fog descends upon us, blanketing our memories. Through the haze we travel its hidden paths, lost in its secret places. And when the storm, turbulent and immovable, forces us to shelter, we remember. to us, calls us back, back to the ports and the harbors of our past. We fight the currents that pull and drag us off course, not a light or star to chart the way. And 
when we arrive, we don't always know it at first. The places we once loved guised by time. Then we see it. The place we've been trying to get back to. Safe at last. We've found our way home. unlike covid but we are back don't you worry don't worry you know it 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 gets kind of crazy trying to figure out how to break stuff down to you guys or at least how to put together this information in a um in a less less volatile manner (laughs) and it's in, in a less crazy way but as i get older you know i think the easiest thing that I can do is just be straight up and be forward and honest with you guys. You see? Because there's a lot of games being played. If we can get into it, oh, we can, you know, we, we can play these games. Or we can do what we're designed to do and read between the bull crap and shoot you straight. And with that being said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into this segment, The COVID Comeback. That's right. I have some good news for you. They say that my account may be deleted. <laughs> yeah, my account may be deleted, not only for posting de- posting about the enzyme luciferase created by Bill Gates, how he needs that for his COVID-19 vaccine, but also how there is a new bill required for Colorado parents to be re-educated if they refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. That's right. This happened last week. The post got removed. They said the account would be deleted 
If I told you that parents could be potentially re-educated for not accepting the COVID-19 vaccine, this comes from Max Lava. They put this up June 11th. It's from Sons of Liberty Media. It says, are you a are you ready for re-education camps in the United States? Colorado has introduced a bill that would, quote, re-educate parents who refuse to vaccinate their kids with the coronavirus vaccine. The bill forces all doctors and medical staff to give vaccinations with no exemptions, even if they are in a situation where they believe that it would not be in the child's best interest. The bill's current version, however, does not list any sanctions or punishments for medical staff that refuse, according to Life News. The bill that just passed through a committee in Colorado, 20 to 14, to reduce available exemptions on vaccinations for school-aged children, making vaccines mandatory. This bill offers, quote, online education modules for parents who want a different vaccination schedule than what the state demands. What the state demands. Submitting a, quote, certificate of completion for, uh, from the re-education classes is, is one of the only ways to receive the state-sanctioned vaccination exemption. This pandemic was never about health. It was about forcing everyone to get a vaccine, an injection of whatever the hell the ruling class decided to put into the vaccine. These vaccines are not being required for the health of anyone unless it's for the health of Big Pharma and the ruling class. What happens if the, quote, re-education fails to convince a person to get the vaccines? It's hard to say. But these types of concentration camps should be condemned for, by anyone who wishes to be free. This is utterly insane. The limits that the government are now going to to order to order to force people to get vaccinated is unbelievable. But we knew this was coming. We knew that COVID-19 was a scam to force everyone else to get the to get the COVID, the certification of vaccine identification under Agenda 2020. But where this could very well be what more religious people call the mark of the beast and people commenting on this Colorado bill have already made it clear that quote people won't be able to go to work or school unless they get the vaccine that happened last week did you hear anything about it or or or, or were we still being racial experts <laughs> and i don't mean to be a jerk but this is this is again what i'm trying to say we're not configured to sit up over here and get into the hysteria, we are configured to come look for the truth, to come figure out what's really going on, which leads me to my next point right here. Norwegian scientist claims that coronavirus was lab-made and not natural in origin. Like, what? Are you saying it was, this was made? You can see the, the insertion. What? This comes from Sign of the Times. I put this up June 15th. It says, just after we thought the question about the origin of the coronavirus has been settled, a new study from Norwegian virologist Berger, Berger Sorensen is now reigniting the debate about the possible origin of the deadly coronavirus. In a peer-reviewed paper published together with Professor Agnes Delgish of the St. George's Hospital at the University of London, Sorensen claimed that the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, is not natural in origin. According to the study, which was published in the Quarterly Review of Biophysics, the authors found that the coronavirus's spike proteins contains sequences that appear to be artificially inserted. Quote, the inserted sequences should have never been published. Had it been today, it would never have happened. It was a big mistake that the Chinese made. The inserted sequences have a functionality that we describe. We explain why, why they are essential, but the Chinese pointed them out first. 
Sorensen told the NRK. The eye-opening claims also found that the virus has been doctored to by the humans. Quote, we are aware that these findings could have political significance and raise troubling questions. The two researchers also pointed out that the virus has hardly mutated since, being, since, it, since it began to infect humans, suggesting that it was already fully adapted to humans. According to Sorensen, this is quite unusual for viruses that cross species barriers. According to Sorensen, the virus has properties that differ greatly from SARS and which have been detected in nature. Sorensen said that, quote, we, when we technically describe the virus, we see that it has not come about in, nature, in a natural development. It's done by Americans and Chinese as part of what's called a, quote, gain-of-function study. It is done all over the world. You say you don't, but it happens all the time in advanced labs. These data reveals the biological structure of SARS-CoV-2, the spikes, and confirm the accumulated charge from the inserts and the salt bridges are in the surface pot positions capable of binding cell with, with cell membrane components other than the ACE2 receptor. So basically what we've been saying this whole time, it was man-made. You can see the insertions. It was designed to infect humans. It was designed to be uh, less deadly, more contagious. It's, it's, it's everything. Everything we've been saying. So why are we talking about a second wave? Yes, the Chinese... I'm still trying to figure out whether or not we were deliberately affected by it. But why are we worried so much about a, a, a second wave? Why could it be coming back? Right here, a study suggests that 60% of people are naturally resistant to SARS-CoV-2, to COVID-19. The severe acute respiratory syndrome. A new study has found the SARS-CoV-2, the virus linked to COVID-19, may be five times more widespread than previously thought and therefore five times less deadly. I won't bore you with the details because it's a whole lot of numbers, but you can go find that post on the page. So why is this going on? Why are we worried about a second wave? People being exposed? Yeah, of course, there's going to be a problem. But if it's not deadly... Why are we worried about it? If anything, we demand answers right here. This comes from the Epoch Time. Lawmakers demand answers from the governors who forced nursing homes to accept the CCP virus patients. You are putting diseased people in the most. In, in, in the, you're putting infected people in the most compromised <laughs> places. You're putting sick people with the, with the elderly. Are you trying to kill them? Why do we go along with this again? Let me get into this. We put this up June 16th. It's from the Epoch Times. This is by Ivan Pintikov. It says, Republican lawmakers on the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis said on June 15th to the governors of five states which mandated that nursing homes take in COVID-19 patients despite federal pandemic guidance to the contrary. The letters, signed by five Republicans on the Coronavirus Committee, were sent to the governors of New York, Michigan, California, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. The letter demands records on the number of COVID-19 cases and the deaths at nursing homes, executive pandemic orders and directives on nursing homes, and other relative, relevant documents and communications. Quote, 
The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has disproportionately affected the elderly, especially those living in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities, the letter states. Quote, we write seeking information at a granular level about the science and information used to inform your decision to mandate nursing homes and long-term care facilities to admit untested and contagious COVID-19 patients from the hospitals. The offices of five governors did not respond to requests for comment. The New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, had previously said that the older people would have died regardless of what actions the state took to defend, the, to defend against the pandemic of, the, of COVID-19. He said, regardless, it didn't matter. We had to send those people in there. It didn't matter. Those folks was going to die anyway. Cuomo issued an, issued an executive order on March 25th prohibiting nursing homes for, from denying admission to patients who had been infected with the CCP virus. The order also prohibited nursing homes from denying admission to patients who were suspected to have the virus. Quote, no residents shall be denied readmission or admission to a nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. The order, which was later deleted from the state's website, said, which was later deleted, deleted, I might add. He said that up there, then when he realized, hey, you're promoting death science, you're killing people, you realize that. You're blowing their lungs out with these ventilators, you're putting in infected people with, with elderly people, you're promoting death science. And the minute that he smartened up, realized he was killing people instead of saving people, he deleted the order. Continuing on, it says the state issued a companion order on May 11th, which blocked hospitals from sending infected patients to nursing homes, but continued to mandate against denying residents admission to nursing homes based on testing results. Yet we're worried about the second wave. I'll tell you about the second wave. And I'll tell you where it's going to come from. Oh, shucks. Something tells me that you guys already know where I'm about to go. Where could this second wave come from? If we're taking care of elderly, we're figuring out that light kills the virus, that we need sunlight, non-recirculated air. We need to build up our immune system, that we need to openly expose ourselves to these things. Well, shucks, where could the second wave come from? Hmm. Well, I don't know, because you've got New York City telling their COVID-19 contact tracers not to ask people if they attended Black Lives Matter protests. You get where I'm going with this? Maybe they're trying to avoid blame for the potential second wave of the coronavirus. You see... Before I get into this whole angle of the things, realize again that they locked you down, traumatized you for months, told you there's, you're not getting out till you get a vi- till you get a vaccine. You're not getting out of this unless you let us shoot you up. We could have had, like Australia did, protests against Bill Gates, these vaccines, the lockdowns, and more. But instead, we decided to have Black Lives Matter protests. We decided to see George Floyd's death and then have that amplified and now we don't know what's going to happen statues you know are being taken down your gods are next but let's 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 stay stuck on this on just the second wave just the coronavirus right you see how that works the setup they incubate you they put you in your house they get you radicalized and traumatized and then and then they release you 
basically based on false premises just for you to go out there and carry out these types of things so they can contact, trace you, watch you, monitor you, and more. And then tell you go vote so you can expose yourself and then begin to traumatize you talking about the second wave. You get the setup. Let's get into this. This is by Paul Joseph Watson. They put this up June 15th. It comes from Summit.News. It says New York City health authorities are telling COVID-19 tracers to not ask potential coronavirus carriers if they have attended a Black Lives Matter protest. So any of the people who had family members that may or may not have come into contact with people at nursing homes, there's your potential vector point. You get what I'm saying? Quote, the hundreds of contact tracing workers hired by the city under under de Blasio's new, quote, test and trace campaign have instructed or have been instructed not to ask anyone who's tested positive for COVID-19 whether they recently attended a demonstration, reports the city. Quote, no person will be asked proactively if they attended a protest, said Avery Cohen, a spokesperson for Mayor Bill de Blasio. The information will be excluded despite the fact that both Bill de Blasio and Governor Andrew Cuomo have repeatedly suggested that mass gatherings could have helped the virus spread. Some have asserted that by not recording that a potential COVID-19 victim attended a protest march, authorities in New York can dodge culpability if there's a second wave of coronavirus and avoid blame for encouraging people to attend rallies. As we previously highlighted earlier this month, 1,200 public health experts signed an open letter asserting that Black Lives Matter mass gatherings should be encouraged because, quote, white supremacy is a bigger health threat than COVID-19. After denouncing stay-at-home protesters as, quote, granny killers, the narrative suddenly flipped when thousands more Black Lives Matter protesters gathered in major cities across the country. Health workers even gave a standing ovation to BLM protesters having protested against anti-lockdown demonstrations just weeks earlier. Apparently, COVID-19 has developed a form of artificial intelligence and is woke and takes a break whenever there's a social protest. I, I, didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. They're saying, go ahead, go out there, go attend these protests, have a great old time. Yeah, you know, we're with you, down with the patriarchy. Copyright. And now, because of this uh, bought and paid for ideology that you see people embracing, you now have the second BLM protesters among the 12 new COVID-19 cases. Now, this is in Australia that I'm just reading about, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? They're issuing citations for people that break the curfews because of the COVID-19. They're issuing contact tracing for people that go to these mass gathering events. They're running political ads for people that to attend these protests as well. You, you get how this all works to set up. So I said, be careful. They got drone surveillance out there at those protests, contact tracers, agents, provocateurs, saboteurs, and more. But we'll just stay stuck on this, on COVID-19 coming back. Uh, this comes from the Epoch Times. They put this up June 15th. It says that a second person who attended Melbourne's Black Lives Matter protest has been diagnosed with the Chinese Communist Party virus, commonly known as the novel coronavirus, while two Victorian schools have been closed after a family contracted the disease. Victoria's Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton confirmed on Monday a young woman tested positive to COVID-19 after attending a June 6 rally. He said, quote, it is very unlikely that she would have contracted the virus at the rally or transmitted it to, or transmitted it to others uh, as she wore personal protective equipment and had mild symptoms. 
Quote, she took a great deal of care in terms of having a distance while others or with others, and I think this is unlikely to have acquired it there, given that there is a whole number of other places that this individual has gone to without PPE, Sutton told reporters. Quote, while he was not convinced that there has been community transmission at the Black Lives Matter protests, Sutton urged anyone who has developed coronavirus symptoms to get tested. Quote, it's really the fir- it's really in that first week that people overwhelmingly overwhelmingly develop symptoms. Uh, so any cases any cases should really be out there now, he said. And that's why you see it coming back, because the protests are done. It feels it it kind of feels like a setup, doesn't it? Because they say it's like a two-week incubation period that you can still spread it even if you're asymptomatic and you don't show any of the symptoms. Then we've been having protests for like two or three weeks now. And then, lo and behold, just as soon as the protests end, well, out of nowhere, COVID-19's coming back. Kind of crazy how that works, right? Kind of crazy how that works. But again, still staying in Australia with the Black Lives Matter protests, the anti-lockdown protests, COVID-19, and all this right here. Protesters who attended Black Lives Matter rallies in Australia face imprisonment and a $1,000 fine. This comes from Truth Theory. It's by John Vibes. They put this up June 16th. And think about it. This is still in alignment, unfortunately, with the COVID-19 lockdowns, the people that bypass this stuff and more. What happens whenever you can't come up with the $1,000? I want to play for you guys. I want, I want, I want to, try to try to find that clip for you guys of the citation that's issued during the curfew because I guess you, because that's a real thing now. You can, have curf, you can have citations mailed to you because of your social media, because you're posting stuff on social media. This is the police state and more. But here, uh, let me read this and then we'll continue on. It says, protesters in Australia who took part in demonstrations to support the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement will be facing fines of up to $1,000. Demonstrations to support the movement for racial equality has spread all over the world in the past month, but the issue is especially fitting for Australia, where the country's indigenous populations suffer massive injustices at the hands of the government. Protesters have also called for the release of refugees who were captured by immigration enforcers while attempting to enter the country. However, law enforcement officials deem the event to be, quote, unauthorized and threatened attendees with fines of up to $1,000. New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller said that the gatherings were banned due to public health orders relating to the coronavirus pandemic. New South Wales Police Minister David Elliott said that protesters can even be arrested for attending a demonstration. Quote, I urge those thinking of protesting despite the Supreme Court's decision and against the health advice to promptly reconsider their plans, Elliott said. This ruling is reportedly in response to the massive BLM protests that occurred in Melbourne on Saturday, June 6th. Over 10,000 people were estimated to have shown up for the protests, and officials say that some people have developed symptoms shortly after. Very, very strange. But, but do you see what I mean by the setup? You see? The setup there. Instead of us actually having a protest for, for again, anti-Bill Gates, anti-lockdown, Pro, uh, pro herd immunity, pro common sense. Instead of us having awareness of that, they were able to shift it to this: racial inequality, systemic corruption, systemic racism, and more. But let's stay still over here with the COVID nineteen comeback and some again more of that police state mindset right here. 
curfew citation mailed to protester after posting video on socials. We put this up June 5th around the same time that we were talking about all this stuff going down in Australia. It says a Milwaukee protester says he received a curfew citation in the mail, but lawyers are questioning the legitimacy of the citation. It says Demetrius Griffin received a curfew citation in the mail Wednesday for $691 for the last five days. Griffin has been out protesting and posting his whereabouts on social media, garnering thousands of views. CBS 58 asked Milwaukee Police Department and the mayor's office if these were legitimate citations, and they have not given a clear answer. Quote, something's not right about it, so that's what I feel, said Demetrius Griffin. Let's take a listen. They've received curfew citations in the mail, but lawyers are questioning the legitimacy of those citations. Sharon Magenda joins us live near the protest now with more. Sharon? Natalie, I'm here near North and Owatosa, and protesters have taken over the intersection. I'll move out of the shot so you can see. I spoke to Demetrius Griffin, who's a protester. He got a curfew citation in the mail yesterday for $691. Now, for the last five days, he's been out protesting and posting his whereabouts on social media, garnering thousands of views. I asked the police department and mayor's office if these were legitimate citations, and they have not given me a clear answer. Something's not right about it. The citation raises questions. For one, Demetrius Griffin doesn't speak Spanish, but the ticket itself is in Spanish. It says it's issued by Milwaukee Police Virtual Investigation Unit, and that Griffin violated the emergency curfew, and there's video available. I feel like it's just a scare tactic. They're trying to intimidate me. They don't like the stuff I say. The citation does have Griffin's driver's license number and has a signature by an officer. Milwaukee attorney Nicole Muller says she's never seen a citation like Griffin's before, but did say her law firm has received a number of protest-related citations and arrests. Not only received municipal ordinance violation tickets, but also referrals and some criminal charges. Muller says people should not pay the fine, but it's important people don't ignore the citation and instead take it to court. They're using stuff like this to make us shut up about our First Amendments because we just out peacefully protesting. If you're raising constitutional issues in um, litigating these citations, they need to be raised before your proceedings really start. We put the ticket number into the municipal court system and it wasn't found. Muller says tickets could take some time with a possible backlog due to protests. She says it's important citations get taken care of, especially if you are arrested in the process. What will still come up on a criminal background check is their arrest. So it will say arrest for disorderly conduct. Employers could see that. Future schools could see that. Police Chief Alfonso Morales tells CBS 58 he hasn't seen the citation himself. He says the department doesn't have the capacity or time to look for people to give curfew citations based on social media posts. But he would use posts to try to get someone in that committed some sort of larger crime. Mueller wants to remind protesters they do not have to answer to the police or show them social media videos. They need a warrant to get that. Before you go out and protest, get a number and name of an attorney. Write it on your arm. If it's legit, we're going to go to trial. If it's not, you're still not stopping nothing. I'm not going to stop, though. Mueller is just one of a number of lawyers providing free services and assistance to George Floyd protesters. For more information, you can head to CBS58.com. Reporting live in Wauwatosa, Sharon Bagenda, CBS 58 News. Thank They've you, Sharon. They received curfew site. Thank you, Sharon. Very, very important. But again, is it scare tactics? Is this setting stuff up for, for, for pre-crime? Is this, is this legitimate? These are all stuff that has to be, uh, stuff that has to be thought about 
when looking at these things. Uh, I briefly kind of want to kind of derail, but not really. This will play a huge part in kind of what we talk about in the next segment. Uh, but the gentleman talked about basically protesting for days. You know, I've been out here protesting for days. And earlier this week, whenever I went out and protested, or a couple weeks ago, whenever I protested, I was unable to come back with you guys and do the show. I could do Instagram Live with you guys. Whenever I went out that uh, a couple Mondays ago uh, to go run recon on one of this one of these protests, and then a couple weeks ago, whenever I did that rooftop security detail, that was all crazy. I couldn't come back and 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 and, and focus and become recalibrated and get into the groove of things. And what I'm trying to say is that's a huge part. That, that's a huge part of this. The manufactured nature of this, the fact that they shut us down, upwards of 46 million, 46 million Americans are not working right now. Heck, yes, they can protest for days. They don't have anything else to do. They're unemployed. Yes, they might be opening things up, but that doesn't mean that the economy is going to get back to normal. People are making more money on unemployment, not working. They're being incentivized to not work and then go out there being radicalized on their telephones. You see how that happens? It's like the government... It's like the government literally robs people of their rights, and then these corporations sit up over here and manipulate their mind. It's crazy how that works, right? 46 million people unemployed. 46 million people, an unemployed army. And you got to think, because I've been, I'll be honest, I got to keep, I've been monitoring this. Instagram is going to begin paying people for their views, right? Similar to Facebook. Or, or, or similar to TikTok and YouTube and things like this. What did the gentleman just talk about right there? He's doing it for the views. He's going out there protesting, right? Get, getting up to thousands and thousands of views. What happens when it gets to a point where people deliberately cause chaos for the views, for the money? I mean, I know they're already doing it, but do you, do you, do you see the, the strategic setup right here? The economic implications, again, the incentivization, incentivizing people to not work collecting unemployment, but then that they can make money by posting videos online and getting attention. They're, the, again, this is not a real revolution. This is a manufactured crisis upon which people can monetize. But here, getting back into COVID-19 and more, this is another thing that happened just, a, just last week that flew up underneath the radar. Melinda Gates wants black people to be vaccinated for COVID-19 right after healthcare workers. Shucks, what do you think that's about? Do you think it's because, do you think they heard me say in my Kanye voice that Bill Gates doesn't care about black people? <laughs> do, you, do you think Melinda Gates is coming out saying, hey, we care about black people. We want them to get uh, healthcare first. We want them to get the COVID-19 vaccine first. <laughs> Isn't that what's happening in Kentucky? They said they wanted to give black people uh, free health care, access to free health care. And then out of nowhere, you've got Melinda Gates saying, hey, we've got to make sure we get all these black people the COVID-19 vaccine. After her husband's been exposed, running experiments in Africa. Again, do you see the setup? And we've talked about this when covering COVID-19. They have to inject you with a live variation of the virus. That, too, will create mutations that will be picked up 
But let me get into this article. We put this up June 12th. It comes from Signs of the Time. It says the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave more money from 2018 to 2019 to the World Health Organization than any entity except for the United States government who recently cut ties with the organization. Melinda Gates, the wife of Microsoft founder Bill Gates, has revealed who she believes should be the first to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. In a Q&A with Time Magazine ahead of the 2020 Global Vaccine Summit, Gates stated that black people should be the second in line to be vaccinated immediately after healthcare workers. <laughs> Thanks, Melinda. I really do appreciate it. Since at the June 14th or the, at the June 4th summit, uh, co-chair Bill Gates announced that the Gates Foundation vaccine or the Gates Foundation would give 1.6 billion to the Vaccine Alliance (Gavi) uh, over the next five years, and then it goes on to. Uh, in a kind of question and answer format, the the interviewer begins to speak to Melinda Gates, asking her a series of questions. Uh, it says that the scale of the anti-racism protests we're seeing right now is incredible. How does this moment relate to the work in health equity? Melinda Gates responds, saying that what happened to George Floyd was brutal and horrible and should never happen to anyone anywhere. This is a moment of reckoning in the United States. We all need to pause during this time and learn as best we can from it. Even before we saw this senseless death, COVID-19 had already started to show us gaps and structural problems in our country. We are seeing black men die at a disproportionate rate. We know the way out of COVID-19 will be a vaccine and it needs to get out equitably. The reporter asks, how do you make sure that happens? Melinda says that you make sure the vaccine doesn't go to the highest bidder. The, 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 the Gavi, or the Gates Vaccine Alliance, uses a pooled set of resources from governments and private citizens so you can make sure that when you go to purchase a vaccine, you purchase it in bulk at low prices. We've gotten the delivery system over 20 years really set up appropriately. This pledging event means governments around the world will set up in a global, corpora- in, in global corpora- cooperation to all say, quote, we care about this vaccine getting out equitably since their contributions will help Gavi secure and distribute those doses when they become available. The first people that need this vaccine are the 60 million healthcare workers around the world. They deserve it before anybody else. Then you start tearing. So they're trying to basically virtue signal to black people with all this, saying we're going to get you free healthcare, we're going to get you free education, we're going to get you free housing, you know, we're going to get you all this stuff. And guess what? Bill and Melinda Gates, they're going to set you up. They're going to help you. Oh, you've been exposed to the COVID-19, huh? Well, shucks. We are going to get you that vaccine. We're going to make it free. We're going to make it affordable for you so we can just give you that gift. We are that much of a humanitarian. They are that much of a humanitarian. I feel feel so safe with the ever-watchful eye of Bill Gates. Watching through his windows. I feel so honored to have such a technocrat rule over me to want to try to rewrite my genes. That's a whole nother thing. So unfortunately, we're not clear of COVID-19. These people are trying to bring it back. They're talking about re-implementing the strict measures, doing all this crazy stuff, man. <laughs> this is It's crazy. It is just kind of crazy. Uh, I just want to mention this real quick, and then I'll get into our, our final our, our final article for this segment. 
but what I want to briefly detour on is right here, COVID-19 and the riots concocted events to bust the economy and keep it down. It's also coupled with the planned, quote, second wave is coming. The terrorism by the government isn't over yet. It says we've already see, we've already had unprotected contact involving hundreds of thousands of populations from civil unrest and riots in the U.S., as well as the inadvertent contact with others not directly involved, such as families, friends, and those who work at businesses you may frequent, that we are about to find out whether or not COVID-19 virus is all it's cracked up to be. We're going to figure it out. It says, with all this massive exposure to the virus, we should start seeing a huge spike in cases and literally millions being hospitalized within the next few weeks bringing about the worst-case scenario, feared in the beginning of the pandemic months ago. If not, we'll know that the whole COVID-19 scare was a fabricated hoax perpetuated by the Nazi core socialist left to bring down the economy for the sole purpose of ruling President Trump's chances, or ruining President Trump's chances for winning the election. If it's true, it also kept the president from having his massive rallies and virtually doing any campaigning at all. With exposure to the virus now at almost 100%, any and all precautions such as wearing a mask, social distancing, and business closures are totally unnecessary and should be immediately rescinded. Perhaps the biggest clue that COVID-19 isn't nearly as bad as first thought is the call for civil unrest and riots by blue state politicians. This in itself proves that the left isn't concerned at all about the well-being of the population, but only in regaining total power in Washington. We see this fact in the form of most blue state governments still restricting the number of people at public gatherings and also not allowing certain businesses to fully reopen, such as gyms, religious services, sporting events, etc. Yet at the same time, we have hundreds of thousands of protesters and rioters gathering on the streets each day with the blessings of politicians running these states. The planned second wave. Heck yeah, they can protest for days. They don't have anything else to do. But is it worth it? That's what I worry about. Is it really worth it? Probably not. The numbers don't add up. You have China saying that, oh, there's going to be a second wave, but they're just rounding up their citizens again. Are these the people that didn't go get tested? Let me, re- let me, let me play for you guys this little clip, and then I'll read the article along. It comes from End Times. Headlines, they put this up June 16th. It's by Ricky Scaparo. It says, second wave of coronavirus strikes China. Residents have been seen rounded up again. Apocalyptic scenes unfolded on the streets of Beijing after a second coronavirus wave saw Chinese residents rounded up for quarantine. And, foot, and footage captured in Zinfadi, huge queues formed in the streets as officials in hazmat suits directed crowds onto waiting buses using megaphones. The outbreak have been, has been traced to the sprawling Zinfadi wholesale, central, wholesale food center in the central southwest region of Beijing. Seven hotels have been dedicated to the quarantine efforts in a bid to stop further spread of the virus. Beijing banned high-risk people from leaving the city and halted some transport services today to stop the spread of a fresh outbreak to other cities and provinces. 
China's financial hub, Shanghai, demanded some travelers from Beijing be quarantined for two weeks as 27 new COVID-19 cases took, to the, took the capital's current outbreak to 106 since last Thursday. That makes it the most serious flare-up in China since February, leading to the fears of a second wave of the disease which emerged in Wuhan late last year and has now infected more than 8 million people worldwide. Quote, The epidemic situation in the capital is extremely severe, Beijing's spokesman Wu Heijian warned at a press conference. Quote, Right now, we have to take strict measures to stop the spread of COVID-19. Yang Zekui, a Deputy Director at the Pathogen Biology, Biology Department at Wuhan University said he thought that the new outbreak was a more contagious strain of the virus, The Guardian reports. Yes, more contagious, less deadly. But are these measures worth it? Are they? You've got people in the UK saying that the numbers don't add up with China. Is this just another cover-up? What are these people doing? Why are we trusting them? This is why since the start of 2009 or since the start of 2020, you have seen us systematically cut off ties with the World Health Organization, threat, threatening the CDC, threatening Bill Gates, threatening uh, Tedros Cabrasius, and all of this. You, you, you've got President Xi Jinping as well as uh, Bill Gates. I was about to say President Bill Gates. He might as well be uh, Bill Gates praising Tedros, saying he did a good job covering up. And now you have fears of a second wave coming. Whenever you have, uh, whenever you have Germany or Germans refusing to install uh, the coronavirus app, all these things popping off. Studies coming out confirming that the virus isn't real. <laughs> that well, not that it's not real. That it's not deadly. That these precautions weren't necessary. That lockdowns are causing the life. That the countries, the entire world, is going into a deep, deep depression. And they want to talk about a second wave. We haven't even fully recovered from the first one. Doctor Anthony Fauci says that he hasn't spoken to Donald Trump in two weeks. That's very convenient, giving all this most recent chaos. Do you see the setup here? Do you see the chaos? Do you see COVID-19 trying to come back? I guess we'll figure out. And I guess we'll see. Because obviously, we've cracked the code on what's going on with the virus, whether or not it's as lethal as they say. Obviously, it's not. But are there other elements involved with this? Is Bill Gates going to use his vaccine to try to figure out how to modify our DNA? This stuff is very real. Why is Colorado having uh, bills introduced to where parents have to be re-educated for refusing vaccines? Something stinks in Washington. And we're going to figure out. But here's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back... We're going to be getting into the elite orchestration of all the events that are going on in the background. Yes, COVID-19 is a problem. Yes, we need to have reform of the systemic corruption that is going on. Yes, hold the police accountable. I hear you. But there are also other things going on, like Hillary Clinton testifying in court for, what's, for her emails. That's right. We're going to be talking about that and more. The Great Reset Elite Orchestration. On the other side, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. We'll be right back right after this.
right what you have to understand is I'm no smarter than the adversaries I'm going up against what you have to understand is this is a centuries old agenda this is a planned collapse a planned demolition and a planned implosion this was all designed for failure. That's why all we can talk about is restoration, healing, fixing, building, doing more than what we were given. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into this segment, this edition of Factions of Freedom. 
I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And we are here before you to talk about what you deep down understand. The virus is a hoax. The riots, the protests are a hoax. What is going on? Are these the last days of the great American empire? We can only hope not. We're going to be getting into stuff that kind of doesn't re- doesn't get the attention that it should. Is the easiest way to explain it. You see, yes, we should be prepared for a civil war. You know, if the elections come around in November, Trump gets reelected, the left is going to freak out. Whoever the left props up there, creepy Joe Biden, you know. If he gets put out, if he gets put up there, the right's going to freak out. We already see this happening. This is the dangerous escalations that are going on. Who's going to rule over the ashes? You see, because you can see them trying to take us in some direction that we all don't want to go. I'm digressing as I typically do, trying to figure out how to set these things up. I think the, I think the best way to do it is to just jump right into it. You know, last week, because we post so many different things last week. I started this transmission. Or actually, not really. I started the last segment talking about how my account might be deleted. Well, last week we had a little bit of a spat back and forth with our technocratic overlords, our masters of the social media cyberspace, about Hillary Clinton having to testify in court about her emails. We put up multiple posts. We have at least like, I think three or four different posts bringing attention to this, that Hillary Clinton's going to appear at court September 9th, 2020 to testify for her emails, all those hot dogs, those pizzas, all the other strange child sex trafficking words, you know, John Podesta, the hate, what, what's going on with Haiti, you know, how she called her uh, supporters, her baristas, uh, bar uh, basement dwellers all this stuff she's gonna have to testify for that and our technocratic overlords our masters of the social media cyberspace they thought it was appropriate to say oh that's not real <laughs> she, she's <laughs> she's not going to testify and so i'm i messed with them for an entire week showing you guys while still covering these issues that no hillary clinton will have to testify We put this up June 11th. It comes from Woke Hub. It says, in case you missed it, Hillary Clinton lost her appeal in court on June 2nd and will have to testify in September. It says, according to CNBC, the George ordered Clinton to testify at a deposition for a lawsuit related to her use of a private email server for involving official business, official business while working as a secretary of state under President Barack Obama. Judge Royce Lamberth says, quote, it is time to hear directly from Secretary Clinton. The trial is for the alleged email scandal and her involvement in Benghazi. A uh, court case was held virtually, so she, so she did not have to testify under oath. Clinton also allegedly erased emails about her part in taking down Libya former Prime Minister Muammar uh, al-Gaddafi about Libya's decision to switch the currency in Africa, African countries. Gaddafi suggested to the states in, of the African continent to switch to a new cur- currency independent of the American dollar, the gold dinar. 
The objective is for the new currency. The objective of this new currency was to divert oil revenues towards state-controlled funds rather than American banks. In other words, to stop using the dollar for oil transactions. Countries such as Nigeria, Tunisia, Egypt, and Angola were ready to cha- to change their currencies. Unfortunately, in March of 2011, the NATO-led coalition began a military inv- intervention in Libya, which Hillary Clinton allegedly played a huge part of in his assassination. Clinton will have to answer questions from lawyers for the conservative advocacy group Judicial Watch, which we all expect they will be hounding about her for her private server. Many believe Clinton deleted emails might have cost her the presidency in 2016 because people couldn't trust her. She will have to testify on September 9th, 2020. Yeah, they said that she was seen also bashing laptops with a hammer (laughs) and just doing some of the strangest stuff because she got had. They also said that this is one of the reasons why Seth Rith got... No, I don't think Seth Rich is involved in this. I think I'm getting things mixed up, but you get what I'm saying. Elite orchestration. Regime change. But it's 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 so funny, too. The objective of this currency was to divert oil revenues towards state-controlled funds rather than American banks. That's so funny and strange because what we're going to be talking about coming up here Uh, is the Great Reset, the Global Financial Reset, how the pandemic was covered for this and more. And so it's just strange that as Hillary Clinton's emails comes out that she's involved in regime change, uh, you know, in in, in foreign countries, that the entire world is about to go through this whole socioeconomic reformation. Um, Very, very interesting. But again, I think that one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is because this is happening in the background. Riots, race riots, you know, COVID-19, all this stuff being being hoaxed out. This is what it's about. Bringing justice to these people who have been doing nothing but causing chaos. You see. You know, I, I got to move on. I got to move on. What people need to understand is we're up against people who... who who have no regard for life, you know, and we start talking about Hillary Clinton's emails the first time through, what else is going to come with that? Are the arrests coming? I don't need to hear about how many, how, how many more subpoenas there have been sent out. How many more people have been summoned basically to come testify? We want to start seeing arrests. You see, this is, this is crazy. You've got Hillary Clinton teaming up with Joe Biden saying, hey, this COVID-19 would be a, a, a horrible crisis to go to waste. You got them still keeping their noses around, causing this chaos. I got, I got, I got to move on right here. California Power, Gas and Electric pleads guilty to 84 counts of manslaughter tied to the deadliest wildfire in California history. And again, I think I should read this article and then make my point about the next 10 years of blackouts because of just this event alone. And we've talked about it on the show, but seeing it in this context, seeing, you know, the wildfires, seeing, seeing them plead guilty 
it's just crazy. Here, let me get into this. We put this up June 16th. It comes from Zero Hedge. It's by Tyler Durden. It says, in a landmark development that marks a victory for California citizens trying to hold the state's largest and most politically influential utility accountable, PG&E pleaded guilty to 84 felony counts of involuntary manslaughter on Tuesday afternoon. The guilty plea marks the end of an investigation into the origins of the campfire, the deadliest and most destructive in California history. Roughly 18 months ago, we reported on the surreal scenes coming out of the town of Paradise, California, which was swiftly swallowed up by flames of the NorCal campfire. That fire eventually became the deadliest wildfire in the state's history, killing at least 84 people, including dozens of Paradise residents who couldn't escape in time. And for audio listeners, I'm playing a clip of uh, just someone escaping that fire, trying to just drive a road and they're seeing the fires, the forests right next to them that I'm sure they drove by millions of times engulfed in flames. And if you watch the video, uh, the recorder is praying as they're driving through this inferno. It says the fire spread so quickly, many elderly residents didn't have a chance to run. An investigation eventually found out that the PG&E inadvertently started the fire when a transmission line broke from a nearly 100-year-old Pacific Gas and Electric Tower after years of neglect. That's what they're saying instead of the directed energy truth, the directed energy weapon truth. Uh, That got pointed out when, you know, all the little curiosities were there. I, I, I would definitely recommend you guys go look into it, but we don't have time for conspiracies. It says, here's more from the New York Times. In a rare acknowledgement of corporate wrongdoing, PG&E on Tuesday pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter for its, time, for its negligence, ending a two-year ordeal for the families of victims, uh, like Mrs. Wehe and the survivors of the fire, which destroyed the town of Paradise. PG&E, which had repeatedly failed to maintain the line even though it cut through a forested and mountainous area known to experience some strong winds, also pleaded guilty to one count of illegally starting a fi- or setting a fire. In addition to the guilty plea, the California Public Utilities Commission separate separately fined PG&E almost $2 billion for its negligence in causing the wildfire. What's more is that the company could face additional penalties because of its guilty plea represents a violation of a federal probation order placed on the company from a 2010 transformer explosion which started a fire and killed eight people. The federal judge, William H. Alsup, has the power to impose new penalties on the company for violating its probation, according to the New York Times. So they're relatively being held accountable. But an entire town being being wiped off the map, 84 people dying, the billions in bankruptcies that they're, they're going to have to face. This is what I was trying to say beforehand. The, there are going to be blackouts in California because of that, not only because of them not having the money to operate, but because of the failing infrastructure that is present. You know? And that's what's crazy. Um, And they talk about that. They talk about how there will be blackouts or at least brownouts, how they will begin to have to ration energy, how you're going to have to have that, that, that management, that control, because you're looking at a population that is so massive that it could essentially be its own, its own nation. You see, and if they, and if they supply that many people with that much power, 
or better yet, if they can't supply that mi- that many people with that much power, what do you think that's going to do? You see, we'll get into stuff like that and more in the future because it uh it is something that's important. But uh, before we switch gears, let me go ahead and just touch on this article real quick where it talks about blackouts uh, and stuff like that. We put this up May 26. It comes from the Dredge Report feed. It says race for blackouts in the summer of COVID-19. It says hot weather blackouts have plagued neighborhoods and towns from California to New York to Texas. But now experts are waiting or warning that millions of Americans who are working from home or unemployed cranking their air conditioners as the temperatures rise on sunny days will also strain transmission lines and transformers further. Energy producers and distributors are are quick to point out that America's overall power usage has plummeted since the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, thanks to the shuttering of large commercial and industrial buildings. But those structures usually sit on the most capacious portions of an urban electrical grid, uh, said Dr. Yuri Dvorkin, assistant professor at New York's University uh, Tandon School of Engineering. By contrast, the power infrastructure in the residential areas is typically designed to accommodate heavy use in the mornings and evenings, with even with with hours to cool off during the day. Consumption patterns in these in these districts have already changed during this crisis. With demand spiking in the daytime, overall usage is already up by an average of seven percent in New York City apartments, and by fifteen to twenty percent in homes in California. As the summer heat peaks, the juice-sucking air conditioners remain on throughout the afternoon. The failure of risk in age transformers and other equipment increases. Quote, the fact that lower Manhattan is using less power is not going to help deliver power to people in the Queens, many of whom, for health reasons, may be intolerant to high pressure or high temperatures and whose buildings are connected to a very old transmission line with limited margins to carry extra power, said Dvorkin. Quote, what's going to happen this summer is we have stay-at-home orders. If we have consumption, which the grid was not designed to accommodate, it will push the system to its limits. Even if the government continues to lift shelter-in-place orders, many private businesses and institutions will remain dark in the weeks to come. While the remote workers light up local electric networks, quote, if everyone plugs in at the same time, I worry about what's going to happen. The electrical engineer warned. You getting kind of the picture of what I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to paint for you guys? This was, all design, this was all done by design. This is, again, what I mean by the socioeconomic and the sociopolitical reformation. Even down to this. Because, again, when you have Governor Jerry Brown, not Governor Gavin Newsom of California, but the, the, the previous governor, Governor Jerry Brown of California, linking up with President Xi Jinping, saying, don't worry about Trump, we're, we're still going to work with you. And then whenever you have Governor Gavin Newsom, right, adopt the Green New Deal, you've got to understand what we mean by the infiltration and the subversion of the West and the globalist plot. This is Agenda 21. This is Agenda 2030. The planned collapse. You see. But because people don't have the time to pay attention or think about these things or put the pieces together or even look for news beyond the news, they don't understand what's going on. And what I mean by that is this next article post that I want to bring up from SHTF plan that they put put up June 15th. It says that the mainstream media is silent 
as the elitists gather in a Swiss town to finalize our enslavement, the global, the Great Reset, as well as the New World Order, the post-COVID world, the COVID-1984. You see. But I'm sure you're wondering, how are we switching up from talking about power grids to uh, the socioeconomic reformation, the the post-COVID world? Because the same time that they put you at your home, told you stay at home, don't do anything, but you can watch Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and Stephen Colbert, you can do the one world together, propagandize, you can get propagandized too. The orchestration and the sophistication thereof, you see, that's how. The same way that they shut down over 1,400 different, or 1,400, yeah, four, over 1,400 different trade shows, exhibitions, and things like this. Why I'm comparing Chaz and Chop to Woodstock and EDM, Electric Daisy Carnival, you know, stuff like this, Ultra Fest with guns, because they understand that people have a rhythm, right? And they have to figure out how to hack it. And now that that's been done now that that momentary stop is there they have a quick window to begin to work on what's new let's get into this it says that uh make no mistake this will be about absolute tyranny on a global scale the mainstream media is silent as the elitists who want power over every human on earth plan to meet in a swiss town to discuss the global reset a push to a one world currency one in which they have ultimate control it says the plan is to make sure a COVID, the plan is to make sure a post-COVID world is built the way they want it, slavery and totalitarian control. If you haven't figured out now that the system was put there to protect them, not you, line up for Bill Gates's sponsored vaccine. Things are going to get much uglier and quick. The objective of this meeting is the quote rebuilding of the world's economic and social system in order to make it quote more sustainable. It sounds good, right? But by more sustainable, they mean more enslavable. Quote, nothing will ever be the same again. It was the mantra that we heard in many countries at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. It came out with a warning that, quote, a new normal would replace the existing order. Easy travel, interpersonal relations, large gatherings, even things like shaking hands would have to go, would have to give way to a long-term social distancing, drastic rules and surveillance. But these changes on the personal level are only part of the picture. The World Health or the World Economic Forum, together with Prince Charles of England and the International Monetary Fund, has launched an initiative revealing, revealingly dubbed, quote, the Great Reset, with the objective of, quote, rebuilding the world's economic and social system in order to make it more sustainable. LifeSite News Report. It says, if you cannot be bothered to understand that the best way to protect yourself is to remove yourself from the system of slavery that was already set up, that they're desperately trying to keep you in, then you're going to re- then, then you're going to likely get caught up in this mess. The idea of a great reset has received a full support of the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, a former president of the Socialist International from 1999 to 2005. Is anyone surprised? This reset has been planned for a long time, and this is what you guys have heard me talk about here on the show in so many different ways and and, and forms. And they're telling you right there, make it more sustainable. I've been talking about it throughout the entirety of this. Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050. Right now we're in Agenda 20, collapsing the old world order so they can create the new world order. Where is Greta Thunberg? (laughs) 
Where are you, Greta? I know you're out there somewhere, and I know you can't wait to tell us how bad we are, how we need to cut back on our emissions, shunning us and shaming us for our moral and normal human behavior. Yes, please, link up with our technocratic overlords and tell me how bad of a person I am. You see how that works? Before I play for you guys this, 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 this quick clip from the World Health or the World Economic Forum, I want to read you guys this article. It comes from the Activist Post, and it talks more about the great economic reset that's coming in 2021. And if you needed any more examples of how these people communicate, I don't know what to tell you. And this is something we talked about as well this week, surprisingly, on the show creating a system of empowerment because we are obviously in the system of enslavement. It is not one that empowers you. The system that we are working on and will be and continue to work on that we mentioned when discussing things like Zebellion will be a system of empowerment. It will be the pro-human renaissance-based future, not one of enslavement because we're conscious of these things and we also have to build upon it. You see, they put this up June 18th. It says, for those not familiar with the phrase, quote, global economic reset, it is one that has been used ever increasingly by elitists in the central banking world for several years. We first heard it when referenced by Christine Lagarde and the head of the IMF at the time in 2014. The reset is often mentioned in the same breath as ideas like the new multilateralism or the multipolar world order or the new world order. All of these phrases essentially mean the same thing. The reset is promoted as a solution to the ongoing economic crisis, which was triggered in 2008. This same financial crash is still with us today, but now, after a decade of central bank money printing and debt creation, the bubble is even bigger than it was before. Like them printing trillions, his, his, historic amounts of money to bail us out of this coronavirus crisis that they created. Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. The ongoing economic crisis. There's no way that you can print yourself money out of a crisis. This is why I'm telling people to get involved in, in gardening or producing something. Because at that point, that's like printing your own money, creating value for yourself, being a productive member of society. Don't be a useless eater involved in consumerism. We've got to start changing our mindset. Uh, but continuing on, it says, as always, the central bank, quote, cure is far worse than the disease and the renewed crash we face today is far deadlier than the one we faced in 2008 if we had simply taken our medicine and refused to prop up weak parts of the economy artificially. Many alternative economists often wrongly attribute the Fed's habit of making things worse to, quote, hubris or, quote, ignorance. They think that the Fed actually wants to save the financial system or, quote, protect the golden goose, but this is not reality. The truth is the Fed is not a bumbling maintenance man. The Fed is a saboteur, a suicide bomber, a suicide bomber. Didn't, Fred, didn't, didn't Trump just take that over? Isn't that what we heard? Isn't that some of the good news that Trump just took over the Fed? He took over the suicide bomber that is willing to destroy even itself as an institution in order to explode the U.S. economy and clear the path for a new globally centralized world system. Hence, the global 
reset. Let's let's play. Let's take a listen. Economic Forum wants you to join them. It says the global reset is not a response to the process of a collapse that we are trapped in today. No. No. The global reset, as implemented by central banks and the International, International Monetary Fund, is the cause of the collapse. The collapse is a tool, a flamethrower burning a great hole in the forest to make way for the foundations of the globalist ziggurat to be built. The economic disaster serves the interests of the of the elitists. That's we that's why we've been held hostage. That's why we've been put in this pandemic. Because they wanted to collapse the economy. And uh, the the crazy thing is, is we've talked about this here on the show. The fact that that Trump's whole purpose, unfortunately, is not necessarily to fix things, but to Bring us up to that first world status only for us to fall back into second world status. And guess what's happening? As we're not working, we're falling into second world status. People not working, that's, that's, that, that's going to have an effect. And as we not work, as we drift into the second world, well, where do you think the third world goes? Not fourth world, that's extinction, that's death. You see, if we were first world, and we're not working. We're not doing anything. We're not producing anything. Where do you think all that those resources are going to go? You see. And that's why we've all got to start thinking a little bit differently about these things. That's why we've got to get back to work. That's why inflation is coming. That's why I'm telling you guys, go ahead and get storable foods and, and, and pay attention to this stuff. Because while it does sound wholesome and decent on the surface, the Great Reset, that's not going to be easy. You see. And with it, there's going to be a lot of consequences. Right here, let me get into this article. We put this up June 5th. It comes from Max Lavo over there, SHTF plan. It says, the pandemic is a cover for the global financial reset. This is said by Lynette Zing. It says, now is not the time to be complacent, says Lynette Zing, chief market analysis in ITM trading. 
Zhang spoke with S- with SBTV about where the world is headed f- to from this pandemic crisis and how gold and silver are the best assets to pr- to protect wealth during these times. We are starting or we are staring at a global financial reset and it's being covered up by the pandemic and the constant crises that are arising. We are running out of time to get preparations in place for what's coming, and most are still focused on their attentions elsewhere, not understanding what's going on behind the curtains. There's no way the general public would have tolerated another 2008 and bailouts for the corporations without making this virus into something huge. But under its cover, they were able to pull off a heist of the public and without much of a protest either. Quote, they could not have gotten a better cover, says Zhang. Studying history, Zhang learned that, quote, every single government-backed currency has failed, but gold, which is the real currency, has withstood the test of time. Quote, it's insanity, she says, and if you're not paying attention, you're not going to understand it. I got to tell you, globally, the pension system was in huge trouble, severely underfunded, and this is true on a global basis. Well, now, when this whole piece, when this whole puzzle implodes, it's a great excuse. What Zhang seems, what Zhang sees them doing is setting up for a global currency reset. The central bankers are lying. A reset will come, and that's what they don't want the public to know about. Quote, 100% of what's going on right now is the Fed intervention. The system died in 2008. Zhang says, that, says to prepare for this reset, you need to have things to barter. She says use silver, but eggs can also be bartered as well. Prepare to take all of your economic functions locally and within the community. When asked how much gold and silver will be enough, Zhang says, quote, I don't think you can have too much. If you have excess fiat dollars, she suggests improving your means to barter by buying gold and silver. If you, uh, before I continue on, I, I, I want to point out, this is again what I mean by the socioeconomic reformation. This is again what I mean by the socioeconomic reformation, the socio-political reformation, voting with your dollars and voting with your lifestyle. Earlier this week when I asked you guys, do you know where your money's going? Do you care about what you're, what you're investing in? Whenever the coronavirus hit, I told you, make sure you go out there to those mom and pop shops. Make sure you go out there and you go support those little hole-in-the-wall stores because you're putting braces on a kid. You're helping send somebody to virtual college. You're helping pay for somebody's mortgage payment, a car payment. A, go, a, a trip to the dentist, health care. Not, not Bill Gates' vaccine shots. Vote with your dollars. Vote with your lifestyle. Are you helping somebody get their life together? We should, and this is, again, part of that pro-human renaissance-based future. We should all be having our own farms. We should all be producing something, both physically and digitally. But because we have now become a nation of consumers, mindless eaters and useless fools and idiots, we don't produce anything. We don't make things. We don't know how to make things. You see, that's why I get frustrated. We have become so detached from reality, we don't even understand the basic principles of how this works. This is why I taught you guys just last week that we are being surrounded by destroyers. That suicide spirit, the nihilism, the apathy, the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the, 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 the mass shaming, the guilt tripping, all of these negative lower end spectrum thoughts That's got nothing to do with progress. That's got nothing to do with productivity. That's got nothing to do with work. And what we are being programmed to be right now are scumbags, degenerate scumbags, zombies, useless eaters. 
mindless drones because that's what they need. That's what they want. You see, yeah, the, 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 the collapse is going to come because like I told you last year, men don't want to be men. Women don't want to be women. Nobody wants to work. Hell yeah, it's going it's, it's, it's to collapse. Upwards of 56, 46 million Americans not working. No one's got a side hustle. No one's over here trying to grind for the American dream. They've, as, as I told you before, they effectively destroyed you. They, 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 they incentivized us to not work. And whenever you have an entire system based around uh, rear end, <laughs> rear end appreciation, butt kissing, brown nosing, f- following orders. You see, people don't know how to think for themselves. They don't know how to create things. They don't know how to have these, 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 this system of empowerment. That's why I told you guys earlier this week, we're going to have to learn that language to teach this to you guys, to teach all this stuff, because this system is not designed to empower you. It's designed to collapse because they have something else on the other side. And it may seem wholesome and decent, but even that is something we have to be cautious of because no government's designed to give you rights. It's only designed to take them. We have to empower ourselves. That's thankfully what the tools of technology were for. Tools of, we, we, we turn these tools of enslavement into tools of enlightenment. That's what we should be having conversations about. That's why I asked the question earlier this week, how did you heal throughout this? Or did you just engage in more of the propaganda, engage in all that destructive three-dimensional stuff that's going on out there? Did you take the necessary time and space to build yourself up? That's a part of that productive mindset, that pro-human, renaissance-based mindset. That's why I had to take this little detour. But here, let me get back into this. It says, if you have currency outside of the system, you get to retain your choices. If everything you do and everything you have is all in the central banking system, your only option will be to accept the reset and the losses that are coming with it. I just have to say this again. This is why I'm, 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 I'm cautious about advocating things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, given what we covered with Zebellion. But how else are you supposed to empower yourself? How else? Are we supposed to not work <laughs> without receiving the vaccine that we know will be tainted by Bill Gates? Do you see the options that are being left to us in this corner they're painting us into? Continuing on, it says, quote, somebody else is choosing for you. That's not freedom. That's enslavement. And exactly what the elitists want for us all. Quote, we all have to decide for ourselves. Is that okay? Because they're going to make choices that are in their best interest first. Don't just survive this economic reset. Thrive throughout it by removing your dependence upon the system. Quote, this is a major wealth transfer, she added. This is something we are here, we here have been warning about. The wealth will go to the top and the military in the streets will be necessary as a show of force to prevent you from fighting back when they steal everything from you. This is about preparedness. Instead of blindly accepting military force on American soil, look beyond at what they have, at what, at what they have to do to manufacture your consent. Would you accept the military in the streets under Barack Obama's reign of terror? Hell no, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. From, from, from the Ferguson riots to where we are today, I'm not down for milita- militarized police. If you want to hate me for giving you the roots of the English words, I don't care. If you hate me for telling you that the military is to keep you, the military presence is to keep you fighting back against reset and upcoming wealth transfer, I don't care. I'm trying to save lives. Hate me all you want, but open your eyes. 
Agenda 21 requires martial law, and this reset will happen once the guns are in place. This is why you had all those CEOs resign, because this is the great reset, the socioeconomic reformation, and the elitists are orchestrating it all. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dangerous Escalations, COVID Comeback, and Elite Orchestrations. went over a whole lot but as always it's to give you that deep comprehensive view as to what's going on i don't really like wasting your time these days especially with everything that's going on so i really do appreciate it when you guys take the time to listen to what we're doing uh, but like i said i'll put the link for the mini cast we did earlier this week in the description bar below as well as the previous episode we did with craig fitzgerald where we broke down the history of communism and if you guys want to support this operation, think about becoming a Patreon-exclusive member. You can do so by following the links in the description bar as well. But like I said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, out. <laughs>